pick is finally in. With the first pick of the 2014 NFL Draft. With the first selection of the 2018 MLB Draft. With the first pick in the 2003 NBA Draft. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the First Pick Podcast. I'm your boy, Kev. You can find me at BiggestBoss76 on Twitter and Instagram. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Apple, and Google Podcast. I always forget to say SoundCloud, but we're on SoundCloud also. But most importantly, Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, review, share, tell a friend to tell a friend. All of that good stuff. We appreciate that. All the love we've gotten up until this point. If you're into sports, you're into betting, anything, come to the First Pick Podcast. But today... I'm without my my friend, my co-host, Vince, Vinny Goombots, but if you want to follow him, ask him about betting, whatever it may be, V-I-N-N-Y-G-O-O-M-B-O-T-S, follow my boy, he's smart, he's the betting guy here, he knows all about it, I'm just a novice, I'm just an entertainment guy, if you need to know, go to my boy, Vinny Goombots, but today, we are covering the UFC. UFC 257, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. This is obviously going to probably set up for the lightweight championship. Now, you know, you got Dana White meeting today with Habib Nurmagomedov, the Russian from Dagestan. So we're going to see what happens. He retired. We're going to get into all of that. We're going to talk about Tyson and Jones today. We're going to talk about the Paul brothers. We're going to get into, obviously, the card. And I'm coming with, with a guest today. He's been here before. His name is Jordan Mondello, brown belt in in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He gets it done. He's been in a cage before. He knows what it's like. He knows what a leg kick kick feels like. He knows what it's like to have to cut weight. He knows what it feels like to be in, in there with somebody else, and this person is trying to knock your head off. So that's why we have him come here and talk about some of those things and go back and forth. He loves UFC. He bets on UFC. He loves fighting. It's something he does just in his spare time. Uh, he, he's he's also a a policeman on the border. He does all of those things. He's always in the action. So he's going to come back and hang out with us today. The last time I did this, I talked way too much. I told you what we're doing. We're going all the way back from Abib, taking on Gaethje, all the way up into now. And we're going to end this podcast talking about Connor and what's going on with him. Is he going to win this fight versus Dustin Poirier? It looks like he's plus or minus 290, depending on the book that you're looking at. Other books... Minus 286, not much different. Everybody's on the same page. Connor's the favorite. He's fought Dustin Poirier before. We'll see what happens. Without further ado, here's my boy, Jordan Mondello. All right, everyone. Uh, I'm Jordan Mondello uh, out here in, uh, in Texas. Um, I guess I'm becoming the resident MMA guy for the first big podcast, which I love. I love following the sport, love training, and uh, excited to talk about all the action we got coming up in the next uh, week and a half here. So am I, man. I'm very, very excited. And the last time we did this, we were talking about we were talking about Habib and Gaethje. And, and what a fight that was, bro. I watched the whole thing. I find, first of all, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, Habib Nurmagomedov fought that fight with a broken foot, one. And then Justin Gaethje was 
kicking the bottom of his leg off. He was limping like like he was hurting bad, you know? And then he, he winds up submitting him anyway in, in, in the second round. And it, it was just, it was a really good fight. And Gaethje, even at the end of the fight, Gaethje didn't even know what to say, Jordan. He was just like, the guy is just an animal. His father had just died, right? So his brain was in a place where the pain didn't matter. Nothing mattered to him at that point other than winning the fight and coming out of that. And then shortly after, he retires. He promises mom. But we'll get into all of that. First, Jordan, how are you feeling? Like, how did you feel about that fight? What were some of your thoughts as you were watching that one? I mean, I, I think Habib showed why he's he's one of the all-time goats. He's right up there with anybody, the GSPs, the Andersons, the John Jones, all of them. Um, to do what he did, to take the punishment he took to his legs, those leg kicks, they, they add up, and they're really tough. We talked about it when, when we were breaking down the fight, and I thought Justin was going to try and do that, and Habib just, just waded right through him and kind of did what he wanted to do to Justin, who himself is a, is a high-level grappler, Division One All-American wrestler. Uh, the guy knows how, to, he knows how to grapple people, and for Habib to do what he did, uh, to get to mount as easily as he did, on someone like Justin, who, if you're fighting at that level in the UFC, you're, you're an elite-level grappler, no matter what. And Habib got on top of him, nearly finished him at the end of the first round, and then in the second round did the exact same thing, got on top. And I'm not sure if you, you heard this, but Habib's teammate and really good friend, Daniel Cormier, said the plan was originally for Habib to finish with an armbar from Mount, where he, where he was, right? But in the lead-up to the fight, he heard Justin say, I'm not going to tap, I'm not going to do this. And he knew Justin's family and friends were there, you know, front row watching the fight. His dad's there, all that. And he didn't want to break Justin's arm in, in the fight in front of his family because that's what he would have done. Justin said he wasn't going to tap. So mid-transition, he decides to go from the armbar to the triangle and then strangles him unconscious. Uh, just the, to be able to pick and choose how you're going to finish a top-five UFC fighter like that shows you how incredible Habib's <laughs> grappling is. It's it's just it's on a it's on a complete another level. I've been grappling for a long time, most of my life, and there's people that I can do that to if they're new and beginners and that kind of stuff. But if you start grappling high level guys, you know, you're gonna take what you can get and, and pray that you can hold on to it. So for him to make a decision like that in the moment, in the middle of a huge fight, it's unbelievable. The man is he's incredible. I just got the chills from you because I did know that. And I have a, a sheet of notes here about all kinds of things. And I forgot about that because I watched the after fight and heard Daniel talk about it. He was actually emotional because they are friends. They are legitimate friends. They'll go out to eat to dinner together, family, all of that kind of stuff. And like you said, what an amazing thing. Like these dudes, they're whole, this is what they do. They are fighters. They don't do anything else. Uh, Justin Gaethje doesn't do anything else. That's it. And this man had the wherewithal to make a family choice to not embarrass this guy and also put his family in horror. It, like you said, it just lets you know what level Habib is on. It's just different. And here, here's another stat I have. Habib has fought 60 rounds, 29 fights. He has lost two rounds in all of those on paper has only lost two rounds one of them was one of them was to was to mcgregor um and i'm forgetting who the second one was i probably should have wrote that one down but either way he has lost two rounds out of 60 rounds in three fights i mean i mean in 29 fights that's just absolutely insane to me and then uh, you know it's just it's just says how great he is as a fighter and if you didn't know ladies and gentlemen also today dana white and Habib met in Abu Dhabi today. 
I saw it on Twitter before I got on here with Jordan. And they were in the same room. I saw them close the door. And that's this is the conversation they are having. Also, at the end of this fight, Habib retired. His mom was distraught. His mom did not want him going out to fight this fight without his father. Obviously, he already had committed. They're not going to go back on the word. That's the kind of people. And like when they say their word, that means everything to these people, to him and to his mother. So they fought that fight. And he said he's going to retire. He's not going to fight again. Obviously, he's emotional. His father just passed. Everybody doesn't know. Like, you know, you never know, right? He, he might be able to change his mind and convince his mother. Like, this is like, I'm the best at this. You know, can I give this up? So him and Dana White today are talking about it. That's where they're at. And they're trying to figure out if the winner of this Poirier or El McGregor fight is going to be the, the next, you know, the next lightweight contender for Habib, who said he ain't going to fight Craig McGregor again. But what are your thoughts, Jordan, on the retirement on on the values, I guess, of this family for him to feel that way and retire and then those two meeting today. And uh, what is your hope for Habib moving? I, I assume you would want him to fight. I want to see him again. How about you? Well, going back real quick, I believe the other round he would have lost would have been way at the beginning of his UFC career to a fighter named Gleason Tebow, who is a gigantic lightweight. I mean, the guy probably walks around at 180 pounds and cuts down to 155. So he's, he's a monster in his own right. And then the round he did lose to Connor, there's a lot of belief that he kind of took the foot, his foot off the gas on that round so he could pour it on in the fourth, knowing that Connor was starting to break. And, and sure enough, that's what he did. I mean, he took his back and he like, strangled him, neck crank, whatever you want to call it. Um, I also think one of the things that Beep talked about a lot was that his plan with his father was always to go 30-0, and 0, right? He's 29-0 and 0 now. Right. Um, he's flying to Abu Dhabi right before some huge lightweight fights are happening. You've got Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler, which is a massive fight, and obviously you've got the Connor and Dustin fight that's happening next weekend. I, that's To me, I, that's too much of a coincidence. I don't think he'd be going out there if it wasn't for a reason. Um, I think Dana has a plan to bring him out of retirement. I mean, if you look at their – I just looked before we got on the phone. The rankings on the official UFC website, Habib is still ranked number one pound for pound. He's still ranked number one in the lightweight division, and he retired a while ago. So for them to hold on to those rankings, obviously it's a marketing or a, a you know strategic move to keep him involved and show their respect to him. But I, there's just too many things lining up here for me. I think maybe Habib might have talked to his mom. She might be open to the idea of him going 30-0 and then calling it. Uh, and I think the best outcome that we could get from these next couple of weeks of fighting is if Connor beats Dustin – I think that's all that needs to happen for Habib to come out and, and defend his title one more time against Connor. He genuinely dislikes Connor. Uh, I, I, I don't know the man's mind. Uh, hate's a pretty strong word, but I know he would love to get in there and embarrass him and, and humiliate him and, and make, you know, leave no doubts who the better fighter is. And I think he thinks Connor's an easy matchup for him and an easy payday, and he goes to 30-0 and, and, and gets to walk away the way him and his dad always planned. I agree, man, and then that's the truth because you saw at the end of that, we both watched the fight. He was embarrassed. He's like, go ahead, say something now. Say something now. Whap. Say something now. Whap. It is one of my favorite things I have ever seen in a professional fight. My favorite things because I know why Connor does what he does. It makes the money. It makes him It makes him a grab. But to somebody like Habib, he don't give a damn about that. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't matter. He, you, we, you heard what Jordan just said, ladies and gentlemen. He just said in the middle of a fight, Habib was willing to stop and change 
a strategy because he didn't want to embarrass this young man and put fear inside of his family. So when you have Connor coming out and talking as much trash as he did to be before that fight and how personally he took it, I, 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 you know, and I like Connor, but I was so pleased to see how he finished him off. But I don't want to go too deep into that because we're going to come back around to Connor. Let, let's, uh, I'm going to finish off with this as far as let's, let's end the Habib conversation and then we'll transition into Tyson and Jones and then we'll get into the Paul brothers a little bit. But when it comes to all time fighters, Jordan, where is Habib in your mind? Oh, it's there's a serious argument from number one. I think uh, when you got the conversation, you've got Anderson Silva, but there are some issues with performance enhancing drugs, so that that tarnishes his legacy a little bit. Obviously, you've got the great John Jones, but he's also had some off nights, um, and then historically a weaker division. I think it's between GSP and and Habib. Welterweight and lightweight have always been two of the marquee divisions where you've got the most well-rounded fighters in it. Uh, and they both dominated those divisions for a very, very long time. Uh, the reason you see that is because generally guys who fight at 155, which is lightweight, or 170, which is welterweight, growing up they were probably a bit on the smaller side and never, you know, they never played football or basketball or something like that, so they took their athletic talent somewhere else. Uh, the wrestling room, jiu-jitsu, boxing, that kind of stuff. So that's why those divisions have always been so stacked, because those guys understand, you know, there's no path to the NFL for me if I'm five foot six and 170 pounds. Right? So it's got to be between those two, and I think you can make a real argument for Habib being the best of all time, given the fact that he never lost and GSP has lost. So, uh, I mean, there's definitely a conversation for him being the greatest ever. And there's whispers out there that GSP, well, he always stays in shape. It's just who he is. My my assumption is the guy is just trains all the time, and that's just his life. But uh, it seems that he might be hanging around for maybe one one or two more to to get under his wing. But we'll see. Hopefully, because I know Habib would prefer for it to be GSP. He prefer his thirtieth fight come up against him, his idol, his leader. You know, the guy he always looked up to. But we'll see what happens with that. But let's transition a little bit, uh, I guess, to a little more of a. Uh, I don't even know would you call i don't even know if you would call them parody fighting maybe you have a different uh maybe you have a different opinion but mike tyson is is trying to put together an actual league of older fighters to come together and fight again and he and roy jones got in a ring together so um i just want to see what your opinion was on that and honestly ladies and gentlemen i'm trying to set this up to get to the get to the paul brothers because i i have a lot to say about this and i can't wait to hear jordan's opinion on these two young men um because i looked into them watched their fights i looked into some of their videos so i'm very curious to see what you have to say but first how did you feel about the tyson and roy jones uh, a fight because to me it just looked like two uncles at the barbecue who drank too much I, I well you know what roy was hurt tyson hurt him but what are your thoughts yeah i i have mixed thoughts on it um i mean these guys are legends right and i'm i'm hoping they're not doing i i didn't get the impression they were doing it because they needed the money which is always kind of sad to see you can think about Chuck Liddell fighting Tito Ortiz for a third time and that kind of stuff. But I think these guys looked quite a bit better than that. But if, if they if they can go out there and they can get paid a decent amount of money, I'm sure they both did, and they can you know smack each other around for I believe they were two minute rounds, so generally boxing rounds for three minutes. Uh, they call it an exhibition, so there's I guess the agreement beforehand was that there wouldn't be a winner. It's very clear Mike won. Right. Uh, he came out there. You know, looking as close to a killer as you could expect for a 50-plus-year-old man. And uh, 
I guess if that's what he wants to do and he wants to put this together, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, let these guys go out there. If they still want to compete, you know, and, and they want to get paid, then, then go for it. You know, the, it did good numbers for pay-per-views. I'm not sure exactly how many it did, but I know a lot of people I know were talking about it and watching it. That's for sure. Now, I did not buy it that night. I wound up watching it after after somebody put it on the internet. So I did not buy it that night. I'm like, what am I like? Really, what am I buying this for? And Roy Jones and Mike Tyson, obviously, two of the greatest fighters ever. I find, well, I don't know. I find them to be equal when it comes to entertainment because Roy, there was nobody faster than Roy Jones, and he also has a bicep that is significantly bigger than the other, which is highly interesting. And he used that thing to his advantage. That is for sure. Even when you see. If you get a chance, look up Roy Jones' biceps. There's one that literally, like, there's just some guys who were just born different. And Mike Tyson was the same way. Because the way you see Mike Tyson's body at 54 is how he looked when he was 13 and Customato found him. And he was like like 190 pounds. He's like, this doesn't even make sense physically, you know? So that's when they took him and turned him into a fighter. Go ahead, Jordan. Look like you want to hop in. Go ahead. No, no, I'm I'm completely agreeing. And that's why, you know, Roy's always had a fantastic hook. Uh, that arm is, it's freakish. You know, it's, it's a Popeye arm. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that That is the truth. It doesn't make any sense. When I saw it, I'm like, what? Like, some people are just born that way. That's the way it goes, man. And then also, in that same fight, you have the, the undercard, which was Nate Robinson, NBA player versus Jake Paul. Uh, the, the Paul brothers, you have Logan Paul, Jake Paul, got famous on Vine and YouTube, billions of views, worth millions of dollars. These are very young men. Um, but... They're trying to change the boxing game, right? They had they had a few exhibitions early on with other YouTubers. Um, Logan wind up actually losing his first fight. Jake Paul has been two and zero since becoming professional. They're actually professional fighters now, like with, with you know with the commission, everything they can fight and, and fight. You know, as long as they can make a fight, they're allowed to do such a thing. And I also obviously they have the the financial clout to do what they have to do to get that done there. So before we get into anything else, what is your view on? the Nate Robinson and Jake fight they probably shouldn't have fought and he shouldn't even be like he shouldn't even be excited about beating Nate Robinson who shouldn't have been in the ring and probably should have took it more seriously that's just my personal opinion but what is your view on that fight and just the Paul brothers overall and what they've done so far trying to get into the boxing game well definitely just you know hitting the Nate Robinson thing first I mean I think he probably had a bit of a feeling like I you know NBA player obviously a very very high level athlete um, just because you're a high-level athlete doesn't mean you like getting punched in the face. And I have a feeling that he probably, if he did any sparring at all for that fight, it, it was probably very protected. Uh, he did not look ready at all for that. And, and obviously it showed. You know, I mean, we all saw the news going around the Internet for two days after that. Uh, Jake and Logan, I mean, they look like they're taking it seriously. They look like they're trying to work hard. Uh, I've seen pictures of them where their faces are a little bit busted up after a training session. So someone's popping them in the mouth, you know, and that's an important part of the really first fight. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, if I was a boxer, I wouldn't be upset about it. I'd, I'd be happy to be on a card that they're on, even if I was on the undercard of that, because that it's trickled down, you know, to the extreme. People are going to pay to watch them fight. That means they're going to see you fight. You get a chance to showcase your talents and then hopefully make better paydays down the line from that. 
I agree with you on that, Jordan, because even Mike Tyson came out. Mike Tyson said on his podcast, he's like, yo, I'm happy they're here. He's like, what? He's like, let them get their money. But he's like, this is good for boxing, for the real boxers. Mike came out and said, he's like, there's only so, there's so many good boxers that nobody knows. Guys who have dedicated since they've been a child, you know, kind of like Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather had been boxing since he was six. That's why his hands are so brittle. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he has, he has uh, hand breaking issues because he's been punching faces for, <laughs> you know, for the last 35 years yeah. since he was a baby you know go ahead go ahead jordan no i'm disagreeing disagreeing that's all uh, oh okay i didn't know if you wanted to hop in no problem so you know uh it, they it, mike tyson's like they're gonna bring him there they're gonna bring people to the fights and um so it, it's very interesting because there's so they will call they've called out multiple fighters whether it be ben Askren. i heard henry cejudo come out and say something about it obviously jake is trying to call out connor to get him out but it seems after hearing dana white speak about connor and what's going on with him he said he's different they 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 patched up their issues and whatever issues uh dana and connor had connor put out a uh, um a screenshot of a conversation that they had online and he you know there was a lot to that and it brought in another fighter and that really pissed off Dana White because it had nothing to do with the other fighter and his opinion of him but you know uh, but Connor seems to be so focused even with 50 million dollars flashed in front of him that these kids can bring Jake uh Jake and Logan Paul can bring to him he's not even he's not even worried about it his focus is on Dustin Poirier so I, I just wanted to chat about those guys because I, I just feel like they uh you know they, they've come in and I don't think they're a flash in the pan Jordan they seem to be training they have a boxing ring built in the middle of their living room you know and, and with trainers and all the other stuff that comes along with that I saw a video with them with Ryan Garcia who just had a really good fight. Now, we didn't talk about this, uh, Jordan, but did you see anything from the Ryan Garcia fight in his last fight? Oh, yeah, fantastic fight. And now it looks like him and Tank Davis are going to fight next. You talked about uh, Mike Tyson's podcast. Um, Ryan was on that podcast and was talking a little bit of trash about the, the man's name is Javante Gerv Tank Davis and Floyd's promoter, uh, fantastic fighter. And while he was on the Tyson, while Ryan was on the Tyson podcast, Tyson called up Tank Davis. And they started going back and forth with each other. And for anyone who doesn't know, historically, boxing has a problem with making fights at the right time. Because there's so many fighters, so many bugs. Uh, but both these guys sound like they're really going to do this. And if that happens this year, when it's supposed to happen, when they're both in their prime and we don't get Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather six years later like we, we had to sit through, uh, that's going to be a fantastic fight as well. I agree. And then to see Ryan Garcia get knocked down, which nobody, you know, which you haven't seen. He couldn't even believe it. After the fight, he's like, bro, he knocked me down. Like, he never believed that somebody was had anything for him. And the guy he was fighting was a really good fighter, Olympian, all that other stuff. You know, a great fighter. So I just thought that was interesting. And Ryan Garcia was actually hanging out with Jake Paul. They did like a, you know, a video, a money-making video for their YouTube videos and stuff like that. And Ryan Garcia is famous for for uh, for throwing punches with the pad on. They, they wear a full body pad. And most people have not been able to take more than five punches from Ryan Garcia other than Francis Ngannou and it's like all right bro like he's rock solid he is gigantic man obviously he's going to be able to take Ryan Garcia's punches but Jake <laughs> Jake was able to also so it was really interesting um and I just wanted to talk about how those guys had had an effect on this and then Jake calling out Connor and Connor's not biting on that but to transition into the present let's talk about Connor and Dustin Poirier in this fight just your general just your general view on what's going to happen next Saturday in the UFC at UFC 257. 
just to rewind a little bit. Oh, um, sorry. Go ahead. 2014, I want to say. I could be off on that by a little bit. But Connor and Dustin have fought before, for anyone who's not aware. Uh, it was at featherweight, which is 145 pounds. And Connor put him away pretty easily about a minute and 40 seconds into the first round. Uh, it was not a very competitive fight. Uh, I, I look at this fight one way. I, I think just to get it out there, I think it happens almost the same way again. Uh, Connor looks incredible. It's really hard to judge how good a shape someone's in on their, you know, based on their Instagram and all that. But Connor looks fantastic. He's posting a lot of training footage, uh, and him at 155 is is the right weight class for him. He's never going to make 145 ever again. That's never happening. And I think when he fights at 170, I feel like the the incentive to work as hard isn't there because he knows he's got that 15 pound cushion. So at 155, that's that's the best version of Connor that we've seen before. Uh, the Eddie Alvarez fight was incredible. Um, he, he just looks great. And you, if you listen to Dustin talk leading up to this fight, he's talking about how he wants to make this an ugly brawl with Connor, you know, get in his face, take him to deep waters. I, I, I'm i not Dustin. I'm not his corner. Um, I've never competed at anywhere near the level he has. But I feel like that is a terrible strategy to go into with Connor. He's, he's the hardest puncher at 155. And if you go in there with this strategy of I'm going to take one so I can give him one, you're going to lose that transaction every single time. Connor hits too hard. He's too fast. He, he fights long. He's not a very big guy. I believe he's like five foot now, but he, he fights super long. His always punches a good snap at the end of him. I just I think Dustin's been through too much in the past couple of years. He's had these wars with Eddie Alvarez twice. Um, the war with Justin Gaethje. He got KO'd by Michael Johnson. I think those things add up. They take a toll on your chin. And I see I see Connor finding that chin and touching it early and often and putting him out of there again. I agree, man. I think I'm going to take this fight probably for a TKO. I'm going to I'm going to pick how it ends, and I, I think TKO is probably going to be that way. Looking at multiple books, Connor is at minus 290. Uh, Dustin Poirier, you're going to get minus 235. At another book, it's minus 286. And then also for Poirier, it's plus 230. I know you were looking at another book. What What were they telling you it was for them at the book you were looking at, Jordan? Uh, let me get my iPad real quick. I have a hard time logging into these sites from here in Texas. It gets a little difficult. No problem. I'll fill for you for a second. And um, Bovada has them. Bovada has them. Connor is a minus two seventy five, and Dustin is a plus two fifteen. Uh, I don't have access to any of the props again because I'm here in Texas, so it's a little tough for me to access that kind of stuff. But Connor by KO TKO is a fantastic bet. Um, if you really want to get adventurous, take it in round one. Um, I think it ends in the first two, round one being very likely. But you'll hear me say this a lot. The, the biggest adage in the fight game is styles make fights. And Dustin does not have the style to beat Connor. He wants to stand there. He wants to trade. You know, it's going to be a, a whole stand-up fight. That's it. When you need to beat Connor is when you can get him on the ground. Uh, Nate was able to get him on the ground, got that rear naked choke locked in pretty quick. Habib, obviously, we know what he's going to do. He's going to get you up against the cage. He's going to drag you down. And then he's going to torture you from there. Dustin doesn't have that skill set. He's a good grappler. He's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm sure he knows how to wrestle, but that's not his his instinct. And I think uh, he wants to go out there and prove a point and get into a war with Connor. And I just it's it's like bringing a pistol to a rifle fight. Not that Dustin doesn't hit hard. I just don't think he's got the firepower to keep up with Connor. 
Yeah, man. And it just stinks so bad to be as good as a guy like Dustin Poirier. And like you said, you already named a few. He had to, he took on, he beat Max Holloway. He beat Justin Gaethje. He took on Anthony Pettis. He took on Anthony, he took on Eddie Alvarez twice. You know, like he's such a good fighter, but Connor is just better. Would you say that Connor is the best striker pound for pound in the UFC? Are there better hand, like hand strikers in the UFC that you've witnessed yourself? Uh, you've got to talk about Israel Adesanya, the middleweight champion. Oh he's, yes, he's yes. got a he's got a very very extensive kickboxing record. Uh, off the top of my head, I want to say he's eighteen and three in professional kickboxing. Uh, and since he's gotten into the UFC, he's just been on a tear, just destroying people. I would there's a real good argument for him being the best striker in the UFC, and I, I, I think that's probably where I'd lean. Um, he doesn't quite have the the one hitter quitter power that Connor does. Uh, it, uh, Connor can put people out with, you know, just one shot. Similar to how we talked about Francis, Francis can do that, but Francis is more of just a, a freak. You know, just one of those guys where if he, he touches you, he's got death in his hands, and, and you just you go to sleep. So I would say Izzy Adesanya probably number one, but Connor's definitely in the conversation. Understood. Now, this is where I really, really need your help. I don't know. I think Michael Chandler is the only person I've ever heard of outside and I don't know anybody else on the undercard. I'm buying this fight. I'll be watching. That's why I'm doing a podcast on it because I Connor is going to make me buy this fight. And I think Dustin Poirier is a great fighter. Um, but like I said, I think I'm with you with it ending within the first two rounds. But help me with some of the other fighters if you could take us through and um, and uh, well, we could talk about the other light lightweight fight first, and then we can go down from there. But what are some of your thoughts about the matchups between the two light the the two lightweights going uh, before before Ford, Poirier, and McGregor, and which side? What, what do you think people should bet if they're feeling like betting? Well, so this is, like we did talk about before, I mean, this is, this very easily could be a title eliminator. Uh, you know, the, the guy who wins this fight could be next in line for a shot. Uh, Dan Hooker is a fantastic fighter. He's got a salty record. He's 20-9, and nine, but he's been in there with the best of them. He had an absolute war with Dustin not that long ago. Um I, I, I said it again. I'll say it again. Styles makes fights, and I think Dan Hooker has the ability to beat Michael Chandler. Uh, he's he's a big, long kickboxer. He's uh, he's scrappy. He's tough as hell. He's hard to get on the ground. Uh, Michael Chandler, despite being a fantastic wrestler, he wrestled at University of Missouri. I believe it was an All American there. Uh, he doesn't use it that much in his fights. He's he's not not the Habib type of fighter. Uh, if he if you give him a takedown or he gets you against the cage, sure he he can do that. But Dan is a big lightweight on top of that, a very long guy, and I think he's got the tools to get back to his feet. I do think that if you have an ability to make a prop bet, this is definitely a, a fight-of-the-night contender right here. Uh, Dan Hooker does not know how to have a boring fight. Michael Chandler is going to want to go out there and prove a point. Um, I think we could see Habib even sitting in the stands for these fights, and I think that's going to put an extra fire under these guys, knowing that there's a chance they could get a shot at the GOAT in the title when this is all said and done. Now, do you think there's going to have to be another fight, or will the lightweight contender, if Habib and Dana agree that he's going to a fight again and they can come up with something, I assume the money's going to be good enough, but we already told you, this dude, that, that ain't what he's about. It ain't about the money. Not that he doesn't want to make it, not that he, you know, but it's not the most important thing to him. Do you think there's going to have to be another fight before we get the contender, or does it come out of this matchup, Is or do we have to wait and see? There's really no other information for us to get that. It's, it's tough, right, because we've got 
the, the next fight that everyone's talking about, it hasn't been built officially yet, but you've got Charles Oliveira, who just dominated Tony Ferguson. Uh, it was not a competitive fight at all. It looks like he'll be fighting Justin Gaethje next. Uh, Habib has said that he doesn't want to fight the guy that he's already beaten. He wants to do challenges. Uh, so Michael Chandler winning, Habib's the kind of guy that can call a shot. If Michael Chandler does go out there and beat up Dan Hooker and, and put him away and look really good doing it, I could see Habib wanting to come back for that for a fresh challenge. Um, I could also see Connor winning and starting starting the hype on that. He's already talked all week about how he, he said Habib scurried away from the division, you know, basically calling the man a rat. So he's, he's trying to get the hype going. I think he wants the Habib fight back. Uh, it's going to be tough. It, it's going to be very tough to tell if, if Charles Oliveira goes out there and beats Justin Gaethje, which he's very capable of doing. Maybe that's enough to get Habib back. Um, it, it's just so early to tell, but we're going to know a lot more next Saturday night. That's the truth. That's the truth. And there's so much history there, right? And this, like, and Connor's only fought once, right? Since 2018, he fought in 2020 in January versus Donald Cerrone, knocked him out, and he hasn't really fought since then. And he and Dana ha- have had a lot of issues there. And for Dana to come out this week and last week and say that I met with Connor, I saw Connor. He's like, "Yo, this is." the little Irish kid that came into the UFC and thought about nothing but fighting. I can't see there being another, a better fight. Now, maybe Habib just doesn't want to and doesn't want to give him the glory of going up against him, and I get that part. But I don't think there's a better fighter for Habib than a focused Conor McGregor. And I don't think a, a focused Conor McGregor is enough, right? Especially if he can get him to the ground. They're just two different animals. We're talking about a guy who's a stand-up striker and a guy who's been wrestling bears since he was a baby. So you know what I'm saying? Like it's just it's just, it's just very hard to compare those things. But I don't see a, a better fighter out there for Habib moving forward other than Conor McGregor, bro. I, I think that's what it'll take to get him out of retirement. I think Conor knows. I, we're, we're both in agreement that that he's going to put away Dustin, and obviously he's going to look good doing it. I mean, when Conor puts people away, it's it's impressive to watch, right? So I think he's going to do that, and I, he's a smart man. He, he knows how to walk the place. I, I can very easily, again, I think we're going to see Habib sitting in the stand, and I can very easily see Conor getting on the microphone afterwards and, and starting this whole thing up again, getting that bad blood going again. And I don't think there's any, I, I, I don't think there's anything that Habib would rather do than to come back and, and beat the crap out of Conor one more time. So, are there any other fights on this main card? There's a flyweight for the women with Je- with Jessica I and Joanne Calderwood. We have Matt. I don't know how to say his last name, but there's another lightweight. There's a lot of lightweight bouts. And then another strawweight bout. Is there any other bouts that you have a leaning on? Any fighters that you've come across in your watching that you think any of the listeners out here may want to bet on, may have a lean on? Um, maybe one is so strong in one type that you'll see a submission or a KO. Um, anything that you're leaning on for the rest of that? That main card. I've, I've actually got a couple here, and it's funny you brought up that that Calderwood Eye fight because that's next on my list right here. Uh, where I'm finding it, it's a pick 'em. They're both like minus 105, minus 110. Uh, I think Joanna uh, Joanne Calderwood puts her away pretty easily. Jessica Eyes five seven and one in the UFC. Um, at one point, she was one in six in the UFC. Went on a three fight win streak, and and at straw weight at that time, that was enough to get a, a title uh, a title fight. And Valentina Shevchenko sent her to, you know, the pits of hell with a head kick that I'm sure we've all seen at this point. I just think I is not quite UFC caliber, and I think Calderwood should be able to should be able to take that one pretty easily. Again, it's a pick 'em, so you're going to spend a little bit of juice, but 
that's a solid one. Uh, you were talking about, I guess, more prop-type bets. This is an upset pick for me. Uh, you've got Antonio Carlos Jr. fighting Brad Tavares. Uh, Carlos Jr. is a jiu-jitsu, and he's one of those guys that's really adapted his jiu-jitsu excellently for MMA. If he's able to get any kind of dominant position on, on Brad Tavares, it's going to be a, a pretty quick end at that point. If he's able to get his back, uh, get to mount, something like that, I could see uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. winning that one by submission. And then lastly, we've got Khalil, Khalil Roundtree uh, fighting Marcin Proxmio. Uh Khalil is a – this is a light heavyweight. Both of those – oh, I'm sorry. The previous fight's a middleweight fight. This one's a light heavyweight fight. Uh, Prochno has been in the UFC for three fights. He's been knocked out in the first round of all three of them. Uh, at 205, it, that's not a good sign because 205ers are big dudes. They probably really walk around at 220. They hit hard. And Khalil spends a lot of time in Thailand – working in just Muay Thai gyms. That's all he does is he goes to Thailand and, and, and trains his Muay Thai. Uh, for anyone who's not aware, Muay Thai is it's just a striking fight. There are some foot sweeps. You can foot sweep your opponent. You just can't fall him to the ground. But it's knees, elbows, you know, long punches, long kicks, that kind of stuff. Uh, I think Khalil's going to put him away in the first round pretty easily. Is there anything more brutal than Thai fighting with knees and elbow? Like, just the prerequisite of toughness that you need to be a tie fighter. Is there anything more brutal? I prefer to just be choked out. Let me fall asleep. You know what I'm saying? Let me tap out. Like, like it just sounds awful. Like, is there anything you could compare to that, Jordan? It it is a brutal, brutal sport. That's for sure. And those guys, like you were talking about with Floyd, a little bit different circumstance because we're talking about much poor country. But those guys still fighting six for money. You know, I mean, it's it's a it's an insane world. They're out there fighting in front of a couple thousand people, and a big part of Thai boxing is, is a lot of betting during the fights. So a lot of times, the first round is kind of just a feeling out round. Then the bet money starts pouring in. So you guys got out out there throwing money down on six year olds that are in there elbowing each other in the head, and that's how these guys come up. It's it's a brutal brutal sport. Yeah, man, that's that's just insane. Just the idea. Like I was just thinking about you describing. He's like a lot of elbows, a lot of knees, and I'm like. Damn, like the next day, these dudes, I remember seeing John Jones leaving the ring one time in a in a wheelchair. I forget who the fight was against. I, I'm pretty sure you'd probably Gustafson be able to. the first time, when he fought Alex Gustafson the, Gustafson the first time. Because uh, they were kicking each other so, like, they neither they both kicked each other's legs until they were dying. You know what I'm saying? To the point where they couldn't walk after the fight. So it, w- it was just so interesting, so interesting. So do you have any other insights, Any anything else, any other tips you want to give the listeners before we wrap up the podcast today, brother? I've got two picks. Um, so starting Wednesday, we got a nice little run of uh, of three uh, three fights leading up to the huge biggest kind of fight. Um, actually, actually, starting Saturday, Saturday, we've got fights because they're trying to put fights on ABC to compete with the NFL. We'll see how that's going to go. It is a, a hell of a matchup between Max Holloway and Calvin Pater. That's a great fight. But we do have Matt Brown fighting Carlos Condit. Uh, these are guys that are – Matt Brown's one of my favorite fighters of all time. I'll just put that out there right away. But him and Carlos are definitely – it's not even fair to say the back nine of their career. They're already back in the clubhouse. But Matt has shown quite a bit more in his recent fights than Carlos has. And what I'm seeing here is Matt Brown is a plus-125 dog. And that's, to me, free money. I think Carlos is getting by a little bit on name here. Uh, you know, he's fought for the title. He's, he's been in some incredible fights. But I'm not sure what the reasoning is. I'm not sure why he just doesn't have it anymore. But sometimes it happens. Sometimes guys just 
that's it. Fighting's a brutal business, and sometimes it just takes too much out of you. Uh, and also, we've got uh, Michael Chiesa fighting Neil Magny. Now, Chiesa, is, uh, he was a big 155-er. Now he's a big 170-er, so that tells you how much weight he's cutting. And a lot of times when guys go up a weight class like that, it, it changes their game. Right, you have better gas tank when you. The more weight you cut, generally, the more it impacts your gas tank. You, you know, gas tank is, is a term for cardio for anyone that's not quite aware. Uh, and Michael Chiesa is a fantastic wrestler, and his ground game is lethal. Um, he gets a hold of people on the ground, and he's he's finding all kinds of chokes, all kinds of kimuras. He's always hunting a submission constantly. Uh, he's a dog in the fight straight up, and I think you could probably get even better odds taken by submission. As fantastic as Neil Magny is, he's got seven career losses, more than half of them by submission. Uh, it does appear he's got a little bit of a hole in his game on the ground, so I think that's a good look, too. And for those of you listening to this, I'm going to try to get these from Jordan. Maybe I can get the names, and this is for tomorrow night, just to be clear, right, for, for, uh, for fight night tomorrow? I believe tomorrow... Oh, hold on one second. So I can find it right now. Oh, just take a break, Brad. Like it just like we could just continue to record, and then I could just delete this part while you find it. So Matt Brown and Carlos Condit is tomorrow. That one is tomorrow, and then the Khalil Roundtree fight is on the Connor card next Saturday. Understood. Understood. So I'll get those from Jordan and maybe I could post it up there on the uh, on the first pick pod page on Instagram or wherever, just in case you guys want to tag along with us, because I'm a th- I think I'm a jump. I love hearing uh, uh, <laughs> locks for plus money, especially from somebody who watches, who understands and who fights himself. So I'm gonna think I'm gonna jump on that train with you, Jordan. And this has been fun, man. I love doing UFC pods with you, man. It, it's a ton of fun. You, I know you're into it. It's something you do just in your spare time with all of those killers that you that I always see you posting pic- pictures with. So I appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a family. You got kids. You working. Your kids are in sports. You all the other stuff. So I appreciate you making the time here for us at the First Pick Podcast. And uh, I appreciate it, man. Hey, happy to do it, man. Have me on whenever. I love doing this. Appreciate it, brother. Have a good day. Welcome back. This is just me, ladies and gentlemen. Jordan is gone for the evening. Once again, I appreciate you, Jordan, coming on here. He, he's the best. He's a, Like I said, he's a fighter. He does this. He watches. So if you want to tail along with him, uh, please do so. I will definitely be doing the same today. Once again, I'm Kev at BiggestBoss76 on Twitter and Instagram. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share, especially at that Apple Podcast. And of course, from my friend, co-host, Vinny Goombats, at V-I-N-N-Y-G-O-O-M-B-O-T-S. I'd like to say it slow. I don't want to mess it up, misspell his name, and then people can't get down with any Goomba to get all the good information on the betting around here at the First Pick Podcast. But ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you guys, all the love that you guys have given us up until this point. And as my boy Vinny Goombat says, thank you for making us your First Pick Podcast.